Welcome to the Unifying Perspectives podcast with me, Philip Daniel Miles. I appreciate your presence. Thank you for being here within yourself listening to me. We're just coming off the back of a full moon in Leo and we are in the last 10 days of the Aquarius season. And so the moon is waning and we are preparing for spring really because we're just leaving this middle of winter. And the planet that is ruling Taurus, which is the sign the middle that represents the middle of spring is Venus. Venus is currently in a transit through Aries. It's actually the personal planet which is leading the pack ahead of the sun. And so Venus was exalted when it was in the sign of Pisces. And when it's in Aries, it's actually at its detriment because it's farthest from home. It's travelled through 11 signs since it was last in Taurus. And it's opposite, it's second home in Libra, which is the sign polarised with Aries. So Venus in Mars's sign of Aries is really having to try things a little differently. Because it's a bit like a plant that hasn't been watered for a long time. Hasn't had the warmth of the sun shine on it for months, maybe. We can consider Venus to be having to be a little bit more patient. Wherever we have our second house, wherever we have our seventh house, wherever Taurus or Libra falls for us, or our own natal Venus placement can be triggered at this point. Obviously, our second house and our seventh house is where we are looking to find our self-worth through either our own substance and qualities or the reflection of that, which we see around us. Likewise, with our Taurus and Venus place, um, Taurus, Venus and Libra placements. And so... This is just part of the the cycles, the seasons, of course. The sun farthest from its home in Aquarius. The middle of summer being Leo. Now we've been through three of those middle seasons, those fixed seasons. We may as well mention Scorpio also. Ruled by Mars, which is currently going through those last few degrees of Sagittarius. So the patience that we wait for with Venus, while the ruling planet of Aries, where Venus is, is going through those last degrees of Sagittarius, looking to go above and beyond with regards to asserting oneself. Yet, we're looking to also radiate and be open while asserting with Venus there in Mars's sign, this is a real strategic kind of way of breathing patience into our experience, because Venus is like a rose, it even makes a five-petaled flower 
in the sky over the course of an 18 year cycle. And so all good things come through the longevity of time. In fact, even the herb time, T-H-Y-M-E, it's an aromatic herb. And so all good things air out in time, I say, with a little bit of time, we can find the sweetness ripens, the fruits blossom, and the flowing of the flowers, roses included, open at their own timing, the divine timing, the timing of Mother Earth. And the atmosphere of Earth is nothing but the atmosphere of our hearts opening up to the plentiful organic nature of love. And so in these moments, as we move towards Pisces season, as the close out of winter takes its course over the next five weeks or so we find that actually yes Venus will in three weeks make its ingress into its home sign of Taurus returning and Mars will make its ingress into Capricorn the sun will journey through Pisces the mutable sign preparing for the end of winter moving into the birth of spring when the sun enters that equinox point the 21st of March the first day of Aries season by that time Mars will be as I say in Capricorn where it most likes to be exalted not to say it's going to be all fun and games I mean there's a labyrinth in that there Capricorn with the south node Jupiter And also uh, Pluto and Saturn. So Mars is going to have a fun couple of months. However, there is going to be this window where we have Mars in Capricorn. Exalted. The sun exalted in Aries. Birthing all of these new energies. However, the physical manifestation of all that which we are really seeding in these times. All that which we are preparing for. All that which maybe we have done so much preparation for, for many years. is breaking through the surface when Venus and eventually the Sun makes its ingress into Taurus. So we can prepare for spring now by ensuring that we rake those parts of the soil which may be all crusty and dry. When we ensure that we're watering the dry soil and we are making preparations to support the crops as we sow those seeds. They will be very ripe and they will offer much abundance as we patiently surf the crest of the waves of these cycles. And so this is where we're at. You can actually check out my full transit report for the waning lunar cycle on YouTube where I share 
the screen and I talk about all of the transits and aspects for the astrological energies moving through to the new moon in Pisces. So we're preparing for spring and that's a process, it's a treatment, it's like a conveyor belt with many different layers and licks of paint and through the course of these cycles of course we're enriching our own conception of self, the image that we hold, how we carry ourselves and act and how we radiate and open up to the potential of our own value witnessed by the reflections all around us. We're schooled by the hardships, patience and lessons, but also we learn integrity. We learn the sense of our own value and the worthwhile nature of being patient and showing up and giving ourselves space, being grateful, giving ourselves time, forgiveness, acceptance and confidence in the knowing that yes all good things come for us as we continue to show up and love through all our moments so today i'm really excited to have a interview with one of my favorite astrologers that i interviewed a few months ago on my YouTube channel. Nicole Huntsman, she is a fantastic teacher. And we're going to move into that interview in just a few minutes. And so thank you for being present. As I say, thank you for being here and sharing your heart space, sharing these moments with me. As I say, I've got many different interviews on my YouTube channel. You can check out the content there. I make videos about movies as well as regards to how they relate to astrology, as well as masterclasses on different aspects of the alchemical process of spirituality, best known through the tool of astrology often. But you're the storyteller here. And so this is where we are remembered reminded that the power is within us we don't need to look up or look down upon anyone we're all equal here and it is actually that we are the source of our own creation and we are schooled by that which we lend our attention to that which we give our eye will gift us an opportunity to gather more about ourselves for what captures our attention, what we lend our pupil becomes our greatest teacher. And my guest today, she is one of the greatest teachers. Nicole Huntsman is a fantastic astrologer. There are many great teachers out there, but the ones that I favour the most are the ones that are playful, the ones that are creative. Many astrologers tap into the innocence and the child like ability to have fun and to get out of our own way when listening to the archetypes when feeling into the different characters and energies within us that we see out there in our sky that we learn about through the various different experiences of our lives reflected through the nature of astrology we can see so much about ourselves 
and those people and situations and things that we're familiar with. Always schooled by that which lends a sliver of value through the lights and through the many shades. So we gather plenty from our teachers when we're at play, when we're having fun, even through the drama, we can be taught really well. It is actually through the darkness that we learn so much about the strength that each one of us hold, which goes back to Venus, which seems to be the topic for me today. Imagine the strength of a rose budding, each petal so delicate, opening graciously within the moments that are divine. This is the representation of each one of us as we relate to ourselves and one another. We can find that the virtue of patience is one of the brilliant gifts that presence and creation offers us. If we choose to accept it, we discover the riches and our finest qualities that we are able to share. So, as we open up to the variety of talents, the fortitude of messages that we are able to stream through us, that we're able to learn about from all of those things that are teaching us, whether they are nature, whether they are our own process and the way that we treat ourselves through the many different layers of our own story, day to day, week to week, moment to moment. We can be grateful for time itself. For it is through the cycles that we know that time is not always linear, but has many different rivets and pivots and even some divots too. But through these highs and lows, through the light and the dark, the masculine and the feminine, the electricity and the magnitude, we gather more of the source nature that each one of us behold. Thank you for listening to me today. Upcoming next is my interview with Nicole Huntsman. You can check all of the great work of Nicole on YouTube. Fantastic archive of great content that has been produced by Nicole Huntsman. Modern Cosmic on YouTube. And here is our interview. Thank you for being present. You are a gift. Greetings, good evening, uh, good morning, whatever it may be in this present time for you. I am very excited to have a fantastic guest with me today. Somebody that I have 
uh, been very inspired by over the years, who is one of the most uh, inspirational, exciting teachers on YouTube of astrology, and she is an absolute legend. Her name's Nicole Huntsman uh, of Modern Cosmic. How are you doing today, Nicole? I'm doing great. I'm very happy to be here. And that's, that was a, a generous intro, but, but thank you. <laughs> well, not too generous. I didn't actually have anything planned to say. It just comes out and for sure you are worthy of all of those accolades and much, much more. It's an absolute joy to speak to somebody who I've uh, like watched and learned so much from. So uh, to, to gaze across at a hero is fantastic. Uh, how are you doing? And what, how do you normally spend your Monday Mondays? Is it normally that you interact with other astrologers or are you jumping straight in with your craft? How do you use it? You know what? My days are actually, I, I, this is going to sound so horrible, but as an astrologer, my friends tease me all the time. I usually don't even know what day it is. You know, um, I'm like, uh, oh yes, it is Monday. Because um, my days, I think maybe it's a product of being self-employed when you work from home and you kind of work seven days a week or, you know, certain days you'll work and certain days you'll take off. So um, Mondays typically for me, I don't have to deal with like the, uh, what do they call it? The case of the Mondays. I don't have that. I just, Monday's like any other day. So some are good, some are bad. Today's a great one though, because this is so fun to get to do this. I haven't, I feel like I've been so busy, nose to the grindstone with moving and working with clients and just, as I mentioned to you earlier, walking around in nature and meditating, that this is really lovely. Well, it's great that you're honoring yourself by following what you need to do. It's almost like life is Monday, because Monday you've got to tend to your own requirements, nurture yourself, ensure that you're okay, rather than slamming yourself into work or making yourself feel uncomfortable that is not any way to take care of oneself and so um it sounds like you've been doing that which is brilliant yeah I, and i will say just my little shout out to nature i just like as you know from from following me on instagram have just been reconnecting with the with nature and with the cycles of nature and since i've moved here um i've watched and noticed everything sort of cooling off slowly and gradually you know and and the day's getting shorter and it's been this really great experience as an astrologer connecting, like actually connecting with the sun in the morning, you know, when he rises and paying attention even more so to like Jupiter at night, go out at night and there's Jupiter and there's Saturn, you know, in the night sky. And so not that I didn't do that before, but there's something different. I, the magic of nature has been omnipresent in my life this last month or so. So this is exciting because I feel like we chatted earlier and I feel like we have a lot of fun content to cover. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I love how um, astrology brings every facet of life uh, much more um, much more bandwidth, much more creativity, much more to look into, especially when it comes to nature and sky and the seasons. Um, seeing how they transition and uh, change. Um, I was actually just uh, ingesting some content that yesterday was talking about when the sun is dawning and coming towards us uh, in the morning. This is when we're actually gaining more energy. And if we look at suns at the end of the day, it's leaving. So it kind of, it settles us. And as it's sunset, it actually it makes us more gentle to relax for the evening. Well, isn't it fascinating as well as the sun, you know, it's starting its sort of descent and moving through the eighth house and then moving to the seventh. You know, the eighth house, you think about that time of day and sort of what that represents. And a lot of times like the afternoon, it's you recognizing ah, my work day is almost over. Right. And, and so there's this element to the eighth house, which is just like Scorpio of, you know, your fate, so to speak. There's a there's a faded quality here. This day is not going to like last for forever. And so and then you do you move into the seventh house and that's the, our Libra house. And it is a peaceful 
sunsets are beautiful, right? And that's the seventh. And it's almost as though in the morning when the sun rises and is waking up as he's moving through the 12th house, you know, and he's up in the 11th and 10th, and that's more being all productive. It feels to me as though it's like a gift every single day to sit and watch both the sunrise and the sunset, I, I think. Yeah, it's something I would actually like to experience more of, um, for sure. Uh, but the intelligence of it is something I could certainly tap into, whether I witness it or not. Um, but witnessing it is a lot of the gift, right? With regards to the seventh house of the sun, uh, I, I, I often teach people, Libra, a lot of people uh, can say it's about relationships and about partnership. But I actually like to see it as the intellectualization of how we feel we are seen, um, how we interpret that we are seen through the eyes of others. Because when you watch the sun, which is the, the Libra glyph, like leaving the vicinity, um, disappearing like a, uh, just uh, away from our, our vision, our vanishing point. It Sliding just, away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we just witness it, don't you? And like, um, it's, it, you don't, it takes your, your words away. And if you are with someone, you just hold hands, you don't often need to speak. And if you're on your own, then you can actually just see the beauty and you're like, well, actually that's a representation of the beautiful thing that I am. Yes, right? That's why communing with nature, we, we forget in our modern world, I say this all the time, but we are nature. We are, we are and the cycles of the moon, our, our bodies are affected by her. So why not be out there actually, because you can intellectualize nature, you can know things about nature, it's completely different to be physically present with her. And to be, I've even been tapping into my own sort of inner ring of wisdom, and I like to do little what do you call them prayers or no they're not spells per se you know but like i like to do certain little things out in nature sort of i suppose sort of druidic in 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 nature and and i feel connected i feel like little things that i do in nature when i am showing that i love her and that i'm taking care of her that she'll show me things back you know she'll gift me back and so astrology is in my mind i think of astrology as being very masculine of course and i think of nature as being mother earth so just yeah. been nice, yeah. kind of balancing the two. Definitely, uh, and I, I, I've seen that on your on your nature trials. You've been uh, picking up rubbish and uh, saying, uh, "Well, this is actually not um, honouring the the environment of the earth and all of these things." Yeah. I really respect, and uh, I, I, you always make very um, comedic things uh, <laughs> in your Instagram story. It's always a joy to catch up with. Well, I, I it's so funny, you know. Um, I used to live near this right well in fact when I had my car accident uh, I used to go off-roading up on the mountain and it was the same thing it was kind of my way of kind of getting into nature at night but it was very deserty no trees or anything up there it's just dirt and you know mountain whereas um and it, during that experience though just having those little moments in our day where we do ground ourselves with earth with whatever nature is around us even if we live in a city you can find a place to go put your back against a tree I think it's very helpful for those of us who also love studying the stars and uh, it just, it brings both of those intelligence worlds kind of together. If that makes any sense, it puts you right in the middle too. You become the axis Monday cool. between the heavens and the earth. Pretty cool. Yeah. I like that a lot. We can feel like a yo-yo going up and down doing the, the, all of the, the thinking, all of the, the actual tasks of the day, whether it's just like something which can be a meditation, like brushing our teeth or you can see it as mundane you really got to classify it and use it as a purposeful way to come into the presence of our experience. And so for me, I find it very beneficial to do the walk. The walk, um, I don't like anything too energetic, but because I've got Mars 
uh, in, in uh, Pisces. And so it helps me ground my mind. And if I don't do it, I can get a bit agitated. I can be. Yeah. I'm Mars in Aries, or in Cancer, it's the same. It's that those watery Marses we really need. Also, salt baths are wonderful. Um, and I know that sounds kind of, I don't know, simplistic, but being able to take a soft bath at the end of the day after working with clients or whatever for you. I had, a, I was dating a guy for a while with Mars in the 12th and Mars in Pisces as well. And he had a hot tub and he would get in it in the morning and he'd get into it at nighttime, just, you know, by himself, he'd get in and just, it was his way of slowly introducing his body kind of into the day. So. I would love that. I haven't had a, a bath or hot tub like for 18 months. <laughs> <laughs> I would love one. It's not like I've not washed. Uh, I have yeah. actually <laughs> Oh, the place I'm staying at, it's it, my friend, it's wonderful, but her, I think her kids or something broke the bathtub, the, the little thing that, you know, makes the water stay in the bathtub. So, so showering, yes, but baths, I haven't been able to, to like just take a nice bath and that's my daily favorite thing to do. So yeah, makes, but it's making me appreciate being out in nature, recognizing too all the water I was wasting, maybe taking baths too often, you know, um, anyway, nature's a wonderful teacher. I guess that's my that's the point of my all of my my Instagram meanderings. <laughs> well, you live in a very beautiful environment, so it's great to see your explorations. Yeah. Um, so, so go, sticking with that thing, because I thought it was so interesting what you said about the eighth house um, with the sun at that time of the day, four or five o'clock. Um, I like at midday when the sun's in the tenth house because that tenth house is synonymous with Saturn or the Capricorn archetype, uh, and yet when the sun's at the top of the sky, there is no shadow. Yeah, Saturn is there, which is representing the shadow very often. And uh, so isn't that interesting that they're actually, when the sun's at the top, there is hardly a shadow. It's just cast straight down. There's light everywhere. Well, it's interesting that you think of Saturn, because I don't think of Saturn as shadow. I think of Saturn as, I think of moon. I think of fourth as shadow. Ah, yes, that works totally. Yeah, because like, and what's also so wonderful is to think about the fact that the sun, you could be anywhere in the world and the sun is going to be, in, you know, all different places, right? All the uh, many different possible houses. And so um, this idea though, that when it's the middle of the night and the sun's down at the bottom of the chart, it's the catabasis of the sun. You know, she's, she's kind of like going through her death rebirth process. She'll come up and be, you know, risen again the next day. So whenever I think of Saturn, 10th house Capricorn, I think about those conscious, those societal constructs that we all live with, right? The rules, the regulations, the expectations that we place upon ourselves and that we place upon other people. And the fact that the sun, that there is no shadow, the sun's shining on everything, you know, to me, I, I think 10th house is very much about, um, it's almost like, don't look at the shadow is how I think of when I think of the 10th house, you know, like, um, there's people who have really lunar charts. I have moon in the eighth. So I love this idea of, and I Scorpio down on my fourth. In fact, your Venus is the exact degree as my, my IC. So I like this idea of thinking of um, the, our collective unconscious material, you know, that's kind of buried, that to me is lunar in nature, I suppose, if that makes any sense. But your oh. whole chart, you have a flippy flop chart, right? Like Libra rising. So you're, you're, you have this beautiful, like you're supposed to, and you've got your Mercury conjunct Uranus in the third and Sag. So it's like you're here, you're supposed to be kind of synthesizing all the fragments and figuring out how to put them all back together through a process of, I imagine, your north node being in the seventh, like to me says, through relationships with other people, um, you're, that's where you're gonna do all your big work, your, you know, the messy work of putting it all together, so. Yeah, 
for sure. That's been my experience and will continue to be, no doubt, uh, through trial and error as well. <laughs> yeah, of course, right? Like, that's, that's why we're here. Uh-huh. And so I like what you say with the, the Temple House of the Sun there, because actually it's where we most like to wear the mask. It's where we most like to put the profile picture perfectly so everyone can yes. see who we want. everyone can see it. Yes, yes. Because, you know, so, so isn't it fascinating as well how all of our, our dualities that we have with the signs, they carry both. I mean, your chart, anyone who has a Libra rising, there is an element here of having to figure out how to make peace between the dualities, you know, between the self and others, between just our own inner, un our, you know, unconscious, conscious minds. Uh, well, so often that we could be, we, that Libra folks, they can be uh, self-sacrificing to make peace with everybody else, but not the self. But like, yeah, yeah you, you choose the meal, you choose what we're watching on TV. Uh, you know, you take the bed, I'll sleep on the floor. <laughs> right. You know what's funny? I've been thinking about this a lot lately. So like you, Libra Moon, you know, first house Libra Moon, right? But you got Pluto there too. But like first house Libra Moon and, and, and wanting to find peace and harmony with other people. You know what? You might naturally be like, dude, I don't mind sleeping on the floor. Like I, I, I truly don't mind giving to other people, but you also have that North Node in Aries and which tells us you're here to learn about balancing in the seventh house, your needs and other people's needs and maybe being okay with Oh, yeah, this is just the way I like to do it. I like to sleep on the floor. I like when you choose the show, you know, if that's true for you. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I mean, sometimes it can be that I would, that, that, that would pan out the case. And sometimes you'd be like, right, well, actually, I'm actually going to be disgruntled if I don't put myself first here. So it's, it's actually imperative for you to have a happy me that I put myself first now. And it's obviously clearly important that you get what you want to do as well. So we can both do that. And both be happy. It doesn't mean that we, for instance, a good example would be that I'm like, I'm going to put headphones in and, uh, and watch a TV show on the computer where you watch it on the TV and we do it together. We can even hold hands, you know? I think that's great. Like I'm, I have a moon in Aries, right? So my mind, I, I've always, basically moon in Aries people are like little kids. Like emotionally, my nature is really childlike. And a lot of times I would do that exact thing. Okay, I, 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 one of my best friends, we worked together for a while and traveled. And at night, we would do exactly that. She'd watch TV on the hotel TV, and I'd be on my computer watching YouTube or whatever. And, and I know there were a few times where she, maybe she wanted to connect and talk and have conversation. But I was, like, tired. I was done for the day, right? And so you with your moon in Libra, me with my moon in Aries, both placements have to learn that process of adjustment. And I have to learn, oh, yeah. Oh, I might be hurting her feelings right now. So I'm going to put my computer down for a second and engage with her because she needs that right now, right? Or what have you. But then also, I really like to decompress by myself and just like searching weird conspiracy theories on YouTube. So, <laughs> you know, and there's room for both. I guess that's my point. I'm a Libra North Node, you're an Aries North Node. You know, so it's been that great. We're both like, and our moons are opposite. So we're both here kind of, um, seeing things from two different sides, I guess. Yeah, but it's almost perfect, doesn't it? It's what you want if you're working in a, a team or partnership, it's like to be able to gather what the experiences of the, the reflection is actually to somewhat see what maybe we're missing as well. Yes, exactly. Because the, the point is, I feel like the Aries, so I feel Aries Moon's gift to other people is it's okay to trust your instincts. That it's okay that this is what you like to do. It's not selfish, all right? It, um, in and of itself, following your heart is okay but learning from people that are Libran like yourself 
I'm a Libra too, right? My son's a Libra, but Libra, it's, it's, I get to, I, there's room to grow. There's room to learn, which I think that's why we're, that's why we're here. And so I like to give people permission to be quote unquote selfish. Um, and I also appreciate when people pull me out of my space when I am being too uh, inner, you know? If to pull you out. Exactly. Well, sometimes we can cast ourselves in, don't we, and, ca uh, and outca outcast ourselves. It's funny, isn't it? The words say the opposite. When we outcast ourselves, it actually is being more social. But when we cast ourselves in with these, when we're taking that time to ourselves, um, I liken that to fishing, which really helped me see that dynamic. We just got to reel it in sometimes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Totally random. This is like our conversation earlier. If people could have seen it, they'd probably be laughing. But. Um, <laughs> When it, my friend was just talking about kites and he's like, if you have a kite without a string, it's going to flop around and fall on the ground. It has to have the string holding it down. It has to have that tension there. And I think that's true. And that's why with astrology, you always want to be moving. It's the opposite archetype to learn how to operate within the archetype you were born under, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I totally, I love this. It's my favorite subject at the moment. It seems to be off topic um because but the best off topic is always the best topic <laughs> no, no oh i meant to say off topic uh off, oh, okay. off topic is good as well though. i do like it. <laughs> uh, you have your third people so he and i i mean just you're along for the ride <laughs> <laughs> yes and i think it would probably be quite fun to witness i'm not, i i'm excited to watch it back myself <laughs> oh, yeah. um so, so the, the as you said earlier like uh, it's like father sky or the masculine is the knowledge which we experience and yet the inner it's conscious it's lit up we can see it we can discern it we can like judge it right mm -hmm. and it's, it's like time that we see in the spiral or the whirl or the merry-go-round um and so the carousel <laughs> and so inner is the and that's the magic of the sky but inwardly is like the, the darkness of the self and that is where we gain the experience of our inner garden of our alchemy and so in a sense, like within the parable of the biblical tale, we were cast out of the garden um, because we were, our attention was put more on the bills, the food on the table, the screaming children, and the beautiful ladies and men. And so we were all looking at all of the flesh and all the stuff out here, and we yeah. forgot to pay ourselves the intention that we need also. So to have that equilibrium is brilliant because this is all magic, and it's all very great being a magician, but there's no real magic until you know a bit of alchemy as well, which happens from that inner world inner alchemy, yeah, working on yourself, right? And it's funny how in life, um, as we were talking about earlier, the flower unfolding at its own pace, we go through these, you know, I had my progressed moon in Virgo and it was like a 12th house and it was in my, in my progress chart. I like to look with the secondary progressions, I'm interested in knowing your thoughts on this, but I like, I prefer looking at the actual progress chart. And a lot of astrologers look, look at your progressed moon relative to your natal, but I'm like, why wouldn't you be looking at the whole progress chart? That's the thing. It's a progress. You need to look at where you've grown to because as you get older and your moon returns, it's further and further, you know, backwards in houses, right? So it's, to me, that's the technique that, that I prefer to use. So. Yeah, I actually made a video a couple of days ago, um, which you might like to watch. Um, I'll send you a link to it uh, after yeah. that. Um, and because um, I do a I'll lot. I'll on my walk. Ah, yes, yes. Uh, I was actually out and about when I did it on my walk. I was out by the seaside looking at the ocean, which is very Sun Neptune. And I was, uh -huh. and so I, I was talking about how in the progress chart, um, my 
secondary progressed moon and my first, my natal chart is in the first house and so I had a new moon when I was seven years old when it was at the bottom of the chart and so it was actually when I was 21 once the moon had traveled three quarters of the way around the chart that it was actually at the top of the sky and at that point in my life I was actually just reintegrating myself into the world after some period of agoraphobia I returned to school and uh, it was um, self-nurturing myself into that experience so I got cancer MC and so when that moon was right at the top and then it went into the 11th house and I actually had managed to make loads of friends and it was quite yeah 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 but now you had to make peace with maybe also that part of yourself the tender the tender cancer part where I'm exposed like everyone can see me you know like ah moon in the first house you know and in the sign of Libra I mean that that placement to me at the ruler and Scorpio on the second feels very much like um, your moon to me feels like your strength, feels like the thing that your kite is, you need that with that Venus in a second in order to appreciate, okay, this particular relationship with this particular person that had maybe a lot of stuff in the relationship, but I stuck with that relationship because the Venus in Scorp is like this deeper part of yourself that, that understands that it, through other people that you're going to figure out how to do your Aries North node, if, if that makes any sense, but you know you nailed it you know you nailed it that was brilliant <laughs> put me on a cross <laughs> we're all on a cross we are all the access money see in my mind when i think of jesus i i pray you know i'm not like religious per se i pick and choose the things i think are true and when i think of the christ figure i think of uh aquarius and pisces of course but i think of christ as this is my crazy woo woo I've never mentioned this out loud. So here we go. But I sort of think of Jesus as like every single soul that has ever existed incarnated in one being, you know, so that when I think of Christ from that perspective, I'm, and perhaps the same for Buddha, you know, I don't know, but that's beautiful. And then when I'm, um, that there, that there could have possibly been someone who carried all of the light and all of the shadow, which all together just creates beautiful white light. You know, at the end of the day, we are beautiful rainbow humanity and we're all, all of our little parts are needed. So, so what sometimes you do end up being the sacrificial, right? That's yeah, I, I agree. And like, um, you've got to be, you've got to be able to, like, what I like about crucifixion is the, um, you basically got to deal with everything that the world throws at you. Uh, mm -hmm. and so you, you do that. And, and what can you do? Nothing. Right. Uh -huh. Sometimes yeah. you have to just experience being a bit the ego death you know sun conjunct neptune that experience of being powerless in the moment because you have to go through like when you had your agoraphobia like you just you had to experience that moment in life and it was something that propelled you on your path as a healer thanks yeah for sure and myself healing as well as very much being able to help empathize with other people on their journey now it does Oh, yeah. pay dividends. <laughs> uh, yeah. I wouldn't change it. I'm grateful for it. We've got to be grateful for these trials and tribulations within our experiences. And that mm -hmm. gives us uh, our own sense of nouns uh, and value and worth. Yeah, uh, that's and so, um, yeah, like uh, being this outcasted person or the scapegoat, which is so Capricorn uh, and also 10th house stuff, that was where the moon was there. But in this video, which I will link to you, basically now the moon's disseminated, it's come through, I had my lunar return and my Saturn return um, with the breast moon. And then now it's actually not, if it was a real moon phase, it wouldn't be visible in the sky. It's, it's gone beyond the gibbous waning crescent. And so it is actually not, it's invisible, it's transparent. And that's how I sometimes can feel. And, and so 
And because it's all underneath the horizon, except for K2 now, which is actually uh, because of my ascendance progressed into Scorpio conjunct Pluto by a degree. Uh, and it's so basically yeah, yeah, yeah. massive. And so uh, that K2 is in the 12th house, but basically that's the only thing except for Lilith and Chiron above the horizon. And I explained this in the video because that's like being in the subconscious world and that's like being within the inner self and the mm -hmm. process. Uh, and well, so it's, we, dark. it's dark in there. Like wandering around, trying, you, you, it's not the same as when, especially, this is what I love about these flip-flop charts. It, having a Libra rising, you are meant to be swimming around in that realm so that you can understand others. Libra is all about our social interactions with other human beings, right? It's not, people talk about Venus being, oh, pleasure. And, and yeah, that is a part of it because that's something we experience with other people many times. But at the end of the day, Venus is how have you learned? How have you been taught to actually behave opposite from your Mars, your ascendant, your, you know, the, the instinctive part of you, like my Aries moon that just wants to do what it wants to do from a kind of almost an animalistic instinctive place. Venus is like, ah, 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 there's certain rules, you know, there's like, there's like the right way to interact with people in order to get what you want. I mean, that's one way to look at Venus, but I, I think, <laughs> yeah. You have all, I mean, your first, you've got this heavy first quadrant, which we talked about earlier being significant in the charts of inventors, people who are mavericks, people who are going to do things kind of their own way, but you're also Libra rising. So it's kind of beautiful because you've got all these life experiences that you're then, they're backing up your um, studies, they're backing up the things, you know, you read and introduce also to other people. And then of course your Mercury, Uranus and Sag is wonderful for then wanting to share with others and kind of break things apart and figure out where it all goes and and yeah ultimately to help others heal you know which is and you're kind of the ninth i have that too kind of the ninth which i think is lovely for someone who um is uh, we have such a strong hunger and desire to understand why why are things the way they are why are, why are religions the way they are yeah. So. I, yeah, I find that yeah, they they kind of the note because that curiosity curiosity killed the cat, but the cat's got yeah. nine. But right, so you have it in Gemini. Yours is in Gemini. Mine's in Taurus, which is more like um, it's just it's it's a little bit different, right? So Chiron, <laughs> you're kind of retrograde like mine too, though. Is that your only retrograde planet? Looks like yeah, it. I believe it is. What do you reckon of that? Then I've never heard anybody mention that before. Oh. Yeah, You're, I share that with you. We both have retrograde Chiron in the ninth. And Chiron, of course, is slower moving. You know, it's it's more generational. But house, so I feel like house placement's even more important. And it sort of, to me, says there's some sort of, like we talked about, I don't know what all you shared with, with your viewers about like reincarnation. So I'm not going to get into that. But, you know, I believe that Chiron represents where we hold a wound um, and where we have a bruise, you know. And so it, it requires attention. And so people who have Chiron in the ninth naturally tend, especially with a Gemini, so it's the first quadrant, it's the first quadrant archetype, right? Aries, Gemini, or Aries, Taurus, Gemini. So I need to find out for myself the story. What does this mean? What is the story behind who it is that I am and why I'm here? But that's it's a what- It's like excavating uh, our, our own personal trenches, right? Yeah, uh, and finding the gold within the story, because at the time we might have been, well, I'm busting through this, what's going on for me now, but actually, a couple of years later, we're like, oh, that was a hell that I was like bursting through that. Yeah, like when you're going through those sort of catabasis moments, you know, when you're like the shadow of the, you know, the valley, the shadow of death or whatever, and, and you're wondering, when the hell is this going to end? Like, but you're just kind of trudging through it and you forget 
have you had those moments where, I mean, you're younger than me by 10 years. So this might just be because of my age, but like, I'm going, I remember when life used to be this way and now it's this way. I want to get out of this space. But again, like the rose opening, sometimes you have to go through your progressed moon in the 12th house, right? You have to go through those times where you don't, you don't know when it's going to end, I suppose. Well, it's, the rose opening is very um, poignant for a number of reasons. For the Because the, on the back of my traditional Rider Waite tarot deck, it's got the, the red rose and the white rose. And it's actually on the death card. They had, it's the deck is on his horse with, um, with the rose uh, on, his, on his flag. He's, he, and he's bearing the, the rose. Uh, do you think, speaking of which, since you're British, do you think that that ties into sort of like the War of the Roses and that yeah. symbolism? Okay, that's, I, I have that. family on both sides, so I love it. I'm like, as I was telling you earlier, I'm like the ninth granddaughter of Pocahontas, ninth granddaughter of a Catawba tribe chief, you know, and then I have all this British and French royalty and you know, on the other side. So this is, I'm like truly an American. Um, my, in fact, my descendant is the same degree as the United States moon. So it makes me feel like I'm meant to be where I'm at right now, uh, blending in a sense, these different worlds, you know, uh -huh. I, that's my own blend. So what do you think about the rose? What, what were your thoughts on that? I saw Pocahontas at the cinema uh, <laughs> on the silver screen. Uh, uh, so I'm actually descended from, I'm descended from her, her native husband, not from John Rolfe which is kind of cool. She, she only, I believe that she had a daughter or something. But it's so know. synchronistic that you said that because there's one person that we share a friend with on Instagram. And uh, basically uh, she was like, uh, I looked at her story like two days ago and she was at a museum for like uh, history or something like that. And she was looking at Pocahontas stuff and she was like, she, it wasn't John, John, what's his name? Rolf, yeah. It wasn't John Rolf who saved the world. It was Pocahontas who saved the world, but he took the he took all the the, the glory for it in the story uh -huh. as yeah, the yeah. story was written. She well, the story too. I mean, the the more you read about, of course, all of these these they're historical events, but they are turned into mythologies. As you know, as a, a a person who lives in England, like you guys have all of these stories, like the Knights of the Round Table, King Arthur, and you know, these amazing legends that I believe are rooted in, in historical fact. Um, but then you also have characters like Merlin, who's, you know, a, a fictional character basically, or, well, but based off of a real person, I believe. Yeah, well, this is synchronicity as well. And so this is mad. So basically, we was t yesterday we were talking uh, about, um, Blackout comedy uh, here in the UK, and there's the character. Wait, wait, what's that? Blackout comedy? What's that? Blackadder, um, which oh, is Blackadder, yes, yes. Okay. And uh, which has got the same guy who plays Mr. Bean in it, uh, and so um, there he goes through the ages, different ages. He plays different characters. He's always the same character reincarnated, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, and so. Um, it's really quite funny because he's always got exactly the same droll character personality. <laughs> See, I didn't realize that about Blackadder. I didn't, you know, I've just seen little clips on YouTube, but never watched sort of like a whole show through or watched like a, the series. So I didn't realize that the historical element, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. It is brilliant. Like it was actually, I was kind of like, just kind of watching it with the family as through, through while I was growing up because it was probably on before it was probably done a little bit before I was uh watching it in a sense it was like replays and um, yet they still did like oh we'll come back for another series or something when I was of age and so I kind of appreciate it a little bit later uh, yeah. however it, it was the third uh, series where 
Um, it was the Queen Elizabeth, Elizabethan the first uh, series, and that they had John D. Not named that in the. He's a great astrologer. I've even done like his chart on the channel, uh, and so that was in the 16 or 1700, as they call it, the year 16,000 or something. <laughs> but, uh, but actually, he was the astrologer and map make, uh, writer for the Queen uh, in reality, uh, and he just played a bit of an idiot. It seemed uh, in, in the actual show. But, I've got to catch this. I've got to watch this. Yes. Well, John D was Merlin and was 007. They were all the same historical figure. Uh, really? But, yeah, in the actual show, he's actually called Lord Melchant. Um, and I was thinking about this this morning. I need to Google if Melchant was his real name or if it's actually what it means. I was thinking that as well. Yeah. But yeah, he was 007 James Bond and he was also um, Merlin. Uh, but some people would argue that Merlin was a, uh, a name given to many different wizards. Uh, that's, what I, that's what I've read and run into. Yeah, yeah, so there's that as well. Uh, but well, that's obviously down to interpretation. I like that it was 007 James Bond. It kind of works. Whether it's a I like that. I've never heard that, and that's fantastic. So you sort of feel like he was playing, do you sort of feel as though there was an actual character in, Eliz in Elizabeth's life? Do you think John D., do you feel like he played uh, almost like a spy, sort of? Or he had a lot of power, yeah. obviously. Yeah, he went, and, uh, he went and worked with a king, a, 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 maybe Bulgaria. I think I've actually got the, some of that part of Europe. King Rudolph. Yeah, he was oh, the, ast the astrologer uh, for King Rudolph, um, which is where maybe in relation to the Santa story. I don't know, but that's a bit of a. Uh, but, but either way, he was called King Rudolph, and so basically, whether he was doing a double agent, double agent spy for Queen Elizabeth or not, he was definitely giving false astrology knowledge, like finding out the truth and giving the falsities to the other one. But um, the King Rudolph was famous for, for advocating for astrology. So he must have done good, good work for him. Yeah. Maybe that's actually where the actual oligarchy of um, England at the time descended from that part of uh, Europe. Oh, so fascinating. All the mysteries, right? I, I, all the, my dream in life, this is like my fantasy, is that one day we have virtual reality sussed out such that you can enter that world and you can go be a fly on the wall and actually watch i mean i don't know how they would ever do this but if imagine would it be so cool if we could somehow go back in time and there's like a conscious record of what was you know what the conversations actually were and you could go watch and listen well this is gonna love this then so maybe you do know what you're talking about uh, and you're not just uh, pontificating here but basically there was the, oh, a, a tool that john d had which was like a mystic ball a glass ball uh, and he would use it to be, uh, I mean, they, they talk about it in like conspiracies, like the, how they would watch time. Uh, mm. uh, and so he would be able to check things out through his ball, his magic ball, uh, and uh, go through time. Uh, and this so is another argument for nature. You're by the ocean. There's the ocean that you can go sit and watch and gaze at, as well as a stream. I feel like being out in nature has slowed my inner clock down. And it's connected me much more so with the movement of the stars and just the movement of nature's time. It's much slower. Um, you know, and I told you recently about the experience I had a couple weekends ago with friends, right? And how everybody else was sort of frenetic, you know, and I'm just, I just wanted to sit on the roof and look at the stars. I'm like, everybody was chatting and talking around me. I'm like, why don't you guys go back inside? I'm going to stay here and just, you know, watch the stars. And my friend kept coming and checking on me and she's like, don't you want to come be with all of us? I'm like, hell no. This is, 
I, you know, I, I, this is what I want to do right now is be with time, right? With space time. So. Yeah. Like that, it just becomes non-linear non, non when you can pop in and pop out uh, and just check in on the different aspects of the self or maybe the different experiences of the bloodlines that you may have experienced, for instance, that kind of thing. Yes, completely, completely agree. And, you know, like in your chart, how you have your Mercury, Uranus in the third, I have Uranus in the third as well. And then you and I together have Uranus in the third, which is fun. Um, but there is an element of fragmentation, right? Uranus does have to do with, it has to do with the group, the collective. So like when it's in your third, which is that personal house has to do with your mind, a big part of who you are and myself as well is probably different bloodlines with different, uh, I don't know how the DNA works because we don't know this yet, but if there are some sort of uh, memories held in our DNA that come from our different ancestors, or maybe we reincarnate as one of our ancestors or family members, as you, you and I talked about, you know, that, to me, you can't, um, these are like things that we need to take time to meditate on. And you have to get yourself slowed down enough that you can have those little moments where you learn things just from being out in nature. So I, I like the analogy um, that this is the technology to be able to check out the, the different pasts and futures. And it's a bit like the Terminator outfit is like, well, I'll be back. Yeah, you're damn right. I'll be back. I'll be back again and again and again. Over and over and over. So you don't scare me. You know, I, I, I very much like have this, especially with my big car accident, right? I'm like, well, I'm here. I'm not supposed to go anywhere. I mean, I've personally seen my own death. Um, I've had some experiences recently too, not to go off topic, but like where I'm living, my, um, my friend has a cat here and her cat's an indoor cat. And the cat went out the other night when I was here with a friend, she snuck out and I was like, oh, I got to go find the cat. You know, the cat's gone for like two days. My friend gets back from being out of town. And I'm just like feeling horrible. Her cat's missing. But then I, I just went outside and said a prayer and I was like, the cat is fine. The cat's hundred percent fine. In fact, the cat's right over in that area. The cat's going to be back tomorrow morning. Don't worry about it. Next morning, this morning, I'm outside playing with the other cat. Meow. Here comes Mr. Bacon. You know, he just comes up seven in the morning. There he is. Just perfectly fine. You know, so trusting that, uh, that we do have a connection to sort of the omnipresence of time and existence and psychic gift and ability and that ability to time travel, so to speak, with your consciousness, it's a real thing. Right. So, so I think, um, what? So we're authorizing it with, um, uh, and uh, people who are tapped into the lucidity are like, you could say your lucky charms, um, but actually you're, you're drawing it in, you're scribing it in. And you, so um, if the other person wasn't fortunate enough to have such a good friend by and they were like convinced that the cat wasn't coming back, then maybe they'd just buy into the other reality where the cat didn't come back, which would be quite what? unfortunate. Hell yeah, I completely agree with that. As you said, we're saying earlier when we were chatting, we're the creator of our own reality you know, and especially anything that involves animals. There's a reason why, you know, witches and wizards have had companions, you know, have had little animals that are their little, it's because it's a connection. It's also, as a moon in Aries, I believe it's a validation of the part of us that goes back to monkeys, to primates, to, to the more animalistic, instinctive part of who we are. We still hold that DNA, right? The part that's like human is just a teeny, teeny part of our, of our chromosome. So, um, Anyway, I just, I'm like in love with nature right now. I don't have a boyfriend. I go out in nature and I'm just like, I don't know if I even need a boyfriend because like, good luck. You're going to be better than nature. You know? <laughs> <laughs> or somebody that's worthy of coming with me to commune out in nature, you know? 
Uh-huh. Well, you, it's a bit like you're falling in love with yourself more deeply as you're witnessing your beauty in nature. Yes, and all of our beauty, you know. Um, and, and I was sharing with you earlier, and I'll share with your with your viewers, I had a really neat experience recently where it was on my Venus return where I um, sort of had this vision where I was like in this geometric space. It was beautiful. No beings, no people. It was just this beautiful structure that I'm moving through. And it was, as I told you, it was like my coronation. And I was like seeing myself as this beautiful light. I wasn't a body. And it was just absolutely magnificent. And, and at that same moment, I came back inside and was hanging out with my friends and chatting with them. And I could see in each person in a way that I thought that I could see before, but apparently not. I could see the majesty in every person, you know, at, that was there at that gathering that night. And that was a beautiful gift from Venus. You know? And being able to kind of um, be okay with my own reality, my own place as a goddess and as a miracle, just as you are, like I said to you, a god and a wizard of your world. That's so cool. <laughs> that to, to really be there with that, that understanding about yourself and to not have the programming that we learn, oh, that's, that's very cocky of you or that's very, you know, but really just to be like, hell yeah, I'm a goddess and you're a god. Like we, it's not, none of us are above or below any, we're all, we're all magnificent. Yes, equality uh, is the inequality, it's the equality between us all. And to own it, like you say, that to own it is to give ourselves that recognition uh, of ourselves. And I think a bit of medicine is like um, knowing that we are empowered to be the creator of this. And so if we do see things that we can assimilate to outside of ourselves by watching this movie or reading that book or seeing a similar archetypal story playing out through a friend's relationship or someone else's story that they're telling us about. For instance, if we're having a client who's going through an experience of trauma and we're like, oh, I can relate to that. But actually know that we're able to pull ourselves in, like reel it back in and say, well, I know that I had eggs and bacon, for instance, for breakfast uh, this date last year. I know that tomorrow I'm going out for lunch with that person and that's my story. And it certainly isn't a part of that fairy tale, which I can uh, certainly relate to as well. But that's not my story. That's an old story. Yeah, done. It's over, right? Every, that's the beautiful thing. You asked me about like the day being Monday, right? And this is why when I wake up, I don't pay a ton of attention to what the day is, which again, is ironic as an astrologer. Like when I say that, I mean the, the, the day of the week. I, I know what day it is, but I'm just kind of like, it, it, it's sort of irrelevant, you know? Um, because every day is a new day and it's going to be a little bit different for me personally. Monday, this Monday is completely different from last Monday, right? Um, and another thing that I love, like I introduced a little bit on my, my, just on my Instagram, how I do those personal chart of the day, where you take your birth chart and you take that, the chart of the day and you make a data sense. Like, is that not a cool technique? That's right? Brilliant. I, I, I've been sharing that with uh, my audience a little bit. I've, I, I've not stolen your idea and I did actually accredit you. Um, because, uh, yeah. I, I, you I like them. open source. I feel like the more that we can learn and teach each other, that, that's what we're here to do. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. And so uh, I think it's very great that you, you brought forth uh, and I saw that you presented this on your channel, which I have linked below for people who uh, may be new to you. Uh, you're a magnificent teacher and a great resource for information and have been for many years. And so people can check out and catch up with all of the great uh, plethora of contents that you've got in your back, back catalogue. And, and uh, just so everyone knows, I've been kind of MIA lately on there only because I've been moving. It's just been like a very busy year personally. And 
I had to move during July when we had like the Mercury retrograde. We had lots of retrogrades that month. It was a doozy of a month, right? And um, and also eclipses and stuff that we had that month, which landed like on my chart in significant points. And so it really felt like a death and a rebirth. I got rid of a lot of things and I had, I'm rebranding my, so like my website's down right now because I'm rebuilding it. And, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, like there's times in life where you don't have a lot to offer. Like I, I struggle, I personally have bipolar too, you know, but been diagnosed with that for whatever that's worth. A lot of creative people have. Maybe that's a normal thing that genetically, those who are here to be teachers have to have periods of time where there's lots of energy and there's times where there's zero energy. Well, because you're, you're a oh, star, right? And so you you're a star. Uh, and so, so um, all stars are polarities, if you ask me. I mean, like, um, they say that our star has, is polarized to another, the sun is polarized to yeah. another from the dog it's star. It's a bi binary, yeah, like a binary system. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and they, the, the dog star is meant to be like the north star or, or right above the north pole, right? And so um, mm -hmm. they, the, the dog star would be to say that's a bit like our inner star, our, like in a sense, our, in, in our own shadow, our own subconscious world. Uh, and you can see it's our own reflection. I mean, I often have joked, who's that doggy in the window? <laughs> and actually, yeah. it's us. And so we have to make friends and make time for that self. And so when we are going through these moments of deeper rest, we're becoming more conscious of that which, when we were so busy, we didn't have time to put attention on. Philip, that's so beautiful. Exactly. Well, it's just like in the day you're awake and at night you sleep. Like, hello. <laughs> Everything kind of moves like this. And I think we have been, I don't know if it's here in America because of our Puritan roots or, or what, but this idea that you have to always be producing, you have to always be creating something for, for you know, uh, others to consume. That's not true. It's not even, that wouldn't, I couldn't survive that way. So. Uh-huh. I, I, I think it's, it's brilliant that you're actually leading with that because if you lead with that, you're actually giving it not only obviously yourself the attention and the love that you deserve to receive from you, which is the numero uno. Um, uh, but you're actually, yeah, you're giving them permission step. You're doing that the hermit card thing and you're, 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 other people will see, well, Nicole's doing it. So that means I can do it for myself too. I don't have to feel like I have to go to work and do the nine to five thing. I can actually take a break and be present within my space. You know, Philip, the biggest compliment I have ever received from clients, I had, this was last year, maybe 2017 when this happened, I had, it was a bunch of clients, I can't remember, five plus people message me in a week where they, I quit my job, I went back to school, I'm getting my nursing degree, or um, I quit my job, I'm starting my astrology business. I went to uh, the last astrology conference I went to, I had two clients, it was just a tiny conference, I had two clients that showed up that are like, I'm going to be an astrologer now. And I was just thinking, Yes, thank you. Good. You know, like it's that to me is such an exciting. We're not in this. This is where the ego, we, we think it's all on me, or, or like, you know, when I come up with techniques, oh, it's my technique. Hell no, it's not my technique. It's, I've received information and I'm sure we're here to, to help each other, right? So some of us, and I, and I had this sort of revelation once where I was feeling like, oh, I was kind of feeling like, oh, this is my technique and I want to have control of it, you know, kind of feeling that the greediness, right? Of like, this is my name. And then I, and then I went and I was like, oh, feeling badly about myself. Like, oh, who am I to think this is like my technique? And I had this moment where I was like, if not me, someone else. So, you know, if you're going to take on the burden or the mantle of having like a YouTube channel or having something where you're a mouthpiece, then you are a mouthpiece. 
And to not speak the things that you learn when it's the right time is you're not being, uh, you're not sort of magnifying your calling, so to speak, as the Mormons would say. Um, you're keeping it, that's very, that's kind of like hoarding. So not to confuse that with those times when you don't have anything to say and you need to go inward and you need to, you, like, I, I'm all out, like no gas, no, you know? So knowing when it is time to speak and when it is time to think, I suppose. And being yeah. okay with, with any of it. Well, I, I started uh, one of my I started out my YouTube channel as a kind of blog kind of scenario to help me as a, a diary. It's just a lady who's a really brilliant YouTuber. You may know her, uh, like Lilu Marseille or Mace. Uh, she's French. Yes, yes, yes. I think I do know who she is. She goes, hello, everybody. Uh, this is what I interviewed people on her Juicy Living tour who'd make less juicy. So like Joe Dispenser, Dr. Bruce Lipton, uh, Nick Harromain. Rod uh, Lipton. Yes. Oh, I love him. The, he's brilliant. I'd love to interview him one day. You know, the Honeymoon Effect and the, the belief, Biology of Belief. And, such a good book. Love yeah. Biology of Belief. Uh-huh. And so basically she interviewed those are great people which inspired me, which is why I'm interviewing you. And I didn't even know that that's why I was headed on my path. But I started out with another program that she set out, which was called the 100 Day Reality Challenge, where you kind of um, record yourself and say where you are with your limitations, be vulnerable and see how far you can actually progress by challenging yourself over the course of a hundred days. And Ooh. I've done that about six times now and I'm doing it now for the first time in a few years. Day, today was day 61. And, um, but sometimes you've got to honor yourself by not having anything to say and not doing a video. I mean, I think I've done the series before. I only made five videos in a hundred days. I didn't have much to say. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? Some people, this is the thing too. Some people are really good at being consistent. Some people are built that way. They can, you know, I'm thinking of a particular astrologer I've listened to for forever who's got a podcast and he's really good. Every week sends out his little forecast, you know, does his podcast, just plugs along, just does it, you know, and, and there's value there, but there's times when, you know, I'll tune in and listen. And I'm like, I can tell, I'm like, he's tired right now. He's just so tired, which is fine. He's on his path, but recognizing it's okay for some people are that way. And some people, have Saturn in the 12th like me and they struggle with like being consistent you know so uh, at the end of the day we're all exactly like we're supposed to be right we're we are from nature we are here you're here I'm here and we're built differently and that's perfect we're seasonal <laughs> yep yep totally totally can we do your chart I'm like looking at it just like yeah, I, I, I would like to get to, to asking a question, but maybe we could save that for an, uh, if we're going to do a part two. Um, but I was actually, I know it's going to be exciting because it's about the, uh, the King Arthur, which you mentioned, and write, people writing themselves into a calendar. So we'll tickle the taste buds maybe just by sprinkling that little bit of confetti about the place for people to check in on the second one and to invoke um, the, the oh. inspiration to continue forth with that maybe tomorrow or whenever it's called appropriate. Uh, and I'm certainly up for it whenever you feel ready. Tomorrow's uh, great. No, tomorrow's great. I, I mean, I'm planning on that. We'll have a little, like, because um, don't we have an Aquarius moon tomorrow? Don't we uh, we do. Because we were going to do it when we talked uh, last week. We were like, should we do it on the Monday or should we do it on the Tuesday? It's either the end of Capricorn or it's the beginning of Aquarius. And so we've got the two different flavors, which is an education in itself. Yeah. Actually, this actually, before you do my chart, which I'm really grateful for, because I will do your chart tomorrow, apart from other oh. chat. Oh, uh, um, I, um, well, this is the reason why I have loved you as a teacher so much. One of the reasons is because 
you are uh, able to be like a caricature in the way that you bring forth your, your teachings and act it out in a very playful way. The best way to learn is at play. I mean, other people yeah. might say otherwise, but I don't feel like it is. I feel like this is about the being able to feel the joy and the vibration. And you are uh, in your characteristics. You, you've got your Mercury and Venus in Virgo. So you really uh, are the, the, epitomize the stories that you tell and as you relay them. But yet you also get really able to put it into great form uh, using your imagination uh, and creativity, uh, and which I think is really great for me to learn from. And I know other people really appreciate you and see you in very high esteem for the quality of how you do share your message. That's so lovely to hear. And it's like, you know, all those years as a kid when I was just a nerd reading books and like, you know, uh, sort of doing my own thing. And even now as an adult, I've had people say, you're weird. You know, people that are friends with me, they're, you're weird. And I'm like, oh, thanks. You know, first I'm kind of, whoa, well, wait a second. But uh, honestly, I think those of us who are on this journey, who are here to teach other people and really we're teaching ourselves, right? But those of us who are seekers, when you're seeking, lots of times you got to be an outlier and you're going to have to do things that to put yourself into that place where you're open to receiving something that's new, that the consensus mind hasn't already told you, you know, this is the reality, you know? So, but thank you. I, I don't think of myself that way. I just think of, I think, I do think I have an enthusiast. I have a passion for astrology because astrology is the study of existence and I have a passion for existence. Yes, and I love what you said, you've got to do something that's new, and you said that passion, well passion is Mars, and Mars is the glyph of the arrow, and it's leading, and I like to say we're the leading fringe of that consciousness, and so you've got to come flying out of a vessel, uh, and you've got to be first out to be able to get to this new territory, and uh, like uh, fertilise what has been um, unexplored territory, right? Yeah, well, and you know, speaking of which, to get back to that archetype, because you hold that, the Aries North Node, and you know, and you, but you have a rule about that Mars down the sixth and conjuncture Jupiter. Like when you think about Aries, Mars, first house, you know, your ascendant, th these are our most instinctive, the most instinctive parts of ourselves. The parts of ourselves that are, it's like, like you said, you're, sh you're gonna shoot an arrow. Once it's left the bow, right? It's going wherever it's gone. It's, it's just, it, it, <laughs> Aries has to do with that initial you pull back and you let go and there's that boing and it goes right so it's like you don't have a lot of control over it and that's i think that's okay and a lot of people struggle with their ascendant or with their mars how they do things naturally and they try to affect their behavior instead of just being playful little children playfulness is where you are having fun and you're gonna screw up and make mistakes but you're gonna be learning the whole time like that's that's the nature of i think always remaining a child yeah, I love it. I, I, I really gain a lot myself from professional wrestling. It's my one outlet, which is not astrology, um, basically. Uh, and it's, uh, I call it the modern day Shakespeare. Um, it's a bit like um, astrology because they've squared the ring. They have a square ring, ring. Uh, they squared the circle. Uh, and yet I learned so much about it because all of the experiences relate deeply to life that each of the people have had. I don't mean in the storyline so much, but the people behind the scenes as they talk about their, their experiences on podcasts and the reality behind things. And when you've got to go out in front of a live audience like that, you, you really have to know that you're going to be making mistakes uh, in front of lots and lots of people. But actually it's through those making, the worst that can happen is that you can make a mistake in front of lots yeah, and lots of people. Lose. Worst that's going to happen is you're going to lose. Like, okay, yeah, got it, right? 
And so once you lose and lose and lose, you're going to win, win, win. And it all amounts up to a great experience. Uh, and you wouldn't be such a great winner if you hadn't lost a dozen times along the way as well. Yeah, again, like we were talking about duality earlier, um, you and I were just chatting. I mean, th this idea that duality is bad, I don't understand. I think that that's ridiculous. You have to have duality. You have to have light and dark. You have to have male, female. You have to have, and by that, I don't, I'm not even talking about our body parts. I'm talking about the expression of gender. And, you know, male, masculine, as, a, or as an archetype, right, has to do with what you just said, Mars, the movement. It's just that go. And the feminine is that receiving. It's, it's sort of like allowing, right? I mean, and in the middle is the quantum. <laughs> our third, the third fun part, you know, and see, this is the thing I think with technology and I think with where we're moving, not only as a species with technology, but the huge spiritual revival we're experiencing right now as well with the use of psychedelics, et cetera. We are on a precipice right now. We have people who are scientists and who are obviously, I mean, the DNA molecule, right? Was supposedly perhaps discovered while I forget which one of those Crick or Watson was on like LSD and saw the double helix. I mean, there's a, there's a reason I think for certain, um, the fact that we have tech, all these technological sort of discoveries that are happening right now alongside of the spiritual, it, it's all one thing. I guess. And it's a, I, I, right now we're having, we were talking about this earlier, when you have the witch trials in the 1600s, you had Pluto and Cancer, and it was sort of the death, so to speak, or the, uh, of the feminine, right, of the chthonic, um, of witches, right, female, usually it was a female witch that was killed. And now we have Pluto and Capricorn. So now we're experiencing the sort of death and rebirth of the patriarchy, of the masculine. And so many men have been taught this post-feminist or feminist, you know, from the 70s and 80s, this belief that it's not okay to be angry. It's not okay to trust your natural instinctive sexual drives, your hungers, your passions. Like there's something about being masculine, you get pissed off and you want to punch somebody in the face. Like, you know, I mean, they're, they're okay, you want to control that. But, but that's also that, that drive and that instinct is not a bad thing in and of itself. Um, and I think, so it's our job to kind of rewrite the rules. Yes, definitely. And that's what we're, we're here doing, um, for sure. And like, um, I like to say what, what you were saying about um, the witches and that since it's like they, this story was rewritten then to say that witchcraft was a bad thing, but actually witches were the medicine women. Uh, and they knew what exactly they were doing. And so that we had our medicine taken away from us of the feminine oh. energy, which is like they say, it's like feminine is darkness and negativity, but uh, negativity is necessary in the whole sum of things because you need some things to alleviate the pain, to take away the pain. And that was what a woman and a witch would do in their power. Right. You think about, so, so some people are really afraid to go out in the darkness at night, right? I love it. I love going in the woods at night because I feel like I'm, ooh, I'm like invisible, right? I'm like shoo, shoo, in the woods and I'm like doing weird witchy things out there and it's great. No one can see me and judge me. There's no Capricorn stuff, right? Because there's no sun. So um, I love this, this rebirth that we're experiencing. And a lot of people your age, you're about nine years, nine or 10 years younger than me. No, you're 11 years, something like that. So, but people your age and people born in the 90s, this resurgence of the female medicine like you say, it's coming back and it's okay. You're not going to get, you know, burnt the stake for, for wanting to go out and cast a rain spell because it's been dry. In fact, you know, 
a lot of us are starting to um, dip our toes back into these waters that we naturally, we don't even, we don't need, you don't need a grimoire. You don't need like a spell book. I think a lot of times just go out into nature and listen to her. You pick some flowers and go put them somewhere, let them dry. And then a few days later, go drop them in the water. Oh, and then a rainstorm comes, you know, like. So this is what you're doing when you're out on, on, your, on your walks. Like you, you, for instance, you might move to like an avatar around, like maybe get a bit of um, a flower, tie it into a loop and put it on a tree as like a, a, a something to make a symbol which represents yes. something for what you're manifesting. Yes, something and always done. This is the thing. I, I mean, I'm not an expert in magic by any stretch of the imagination. This is just Nikki going out into the woods and doing what I feel like I want to do. And it comes from a place of love for nature. I love nature. And I'm just like there and I'm like recognizing her. You are so beautiful. How many people have come out here and recognized how incredible you are in nature? And a lot of times I feel like, like all these people are bicycling by me or they're running, you know, their headphones in, you know, and I'm like, people, that's great. But like commune with her, you know? Um, I feel it as an astrologer because we spend so much of our time up in the heavens, in the mental realm. You got to have the other side or you're going to personally split. I think. Yeah. Well, I've like just learned from what you were just saying so much. Obviously, it's always learning. And it's so great to be able to to have that real. I even know I said it about the, the reef thing. I never really thought about how powerful that is because it's just like having what you would do with an altar here. And an altar is altering the experience. It's just using the magic. Just a bit like how you told the story to your friend about the cat returning. The cat returns. If you tell a story to yourself and you make this bouquet or, and put it there by this tree you might see that when you come around from the opposite direction next time around the next day and you're like oh I forgot I even made that bouquet and now I'm manifesting due to that trigger that check coming through the mail or that proposal from that dashing gentleman not that you need a dashing gentleman to give you a proposal because you are proposing love to yourself by making that bouquet whatever have you it's true right you know, something that that's very much something lately, and I don't know if this is a modern uh, story that we're all bought into that you that everyone's supposed to have a romantic partner and like you, you know, trust me, I want to have one a romantic partner, but I also have gotten to this place where when it's not time, it is just not time. It's not time for the person or else they would be in your life, you know, and, and so with nature, when I go out and I do these little things in nature or even with astrology, I don't use astrology like when you ask me, should we do it Monday or Tuesday? You know, this moon or this moon? I'm like, do you, I said dealer's choice. You know, I don't, whatever you think, you know, because maybe it's just a part of the things that I have in my chart where um, I feel like I don't have any idea. Nature knows. I don't know. You know, like I like astrology as far as forecasting simply to know, the, you know, these, this particular sort of blocks of time are going to maybe look kind of like this, just so I sort of know, but not, but I don't use astrology in a way to manipulate my experience. Mm -hmm. that, so much better know? in reflection after as well to understand what has happened, I feel. Totally. Cause I don't know. Like there's always, I'm learn. I, my number one goal every day is to learn something new. If I haven't learned something new, I'm pissed off at the end of the day. You know, I'm like, <laughs> Then I'm like on YouTube looking up weird videos about like, who knows what, you know, but, but for real and, and to always stay in that place, just like the childlike thing, staying in that place where you're open to learning something new. Well, I, I want to honor you because you uh, said something to me about burning out of energy and you wanted to um, do my chart, but I want to say two more things before you do. So but honoring it still, that way you can get off at the top of the hour and, okay. uh, and that way we can reconvene tomorrow and talk about all the other exciting things and I can do your chart. 
But the other things are just adding on to what uh, and completing what you've already mentioned. There's not a whole new story. And so you said you'd be pissed off at the end of the day if you haven't learned something. And you were saying, about, <laughs> and so I learned something. <laughs> I learned something through um, some of my dearest relationships along the way. And that is actually that um, it is okay, as you say, to get angry. And that is something which has been suppressed. And even my friends, oh, can't they control themselves when they get people get angry? And so, well, I actually learned that. Um, and it's my job to support uh, if, I'm, if I'm in a relationship with a woman and they're getting angry with me it's not for me to go oh and run away and take space it's my job to stand there and take yeah. be responsible and hold space for that energy for that fury because they are loving and they're doing the warrior love of expressing it and I am actually providing the earthly container for that fury at that point they're so, just stringing to their kite. They're flapping around like a crazy kite in a storm because they're pissed off about something. And they need a string. They need someone that's like, okay, you're going to be okay. Just flap around all you need to, you know, and eventually you're safe. You're not going to fly away. I got you. I got your back. That's, that is the masculine, the flagpole. Yeah. And also, also to, yeah, you're so right. You're so right. And also to let's say that actually a, a man can be the moon too. We can be cooking up a storm and it could be like mama's old cooking because I'm a mummy boy and I know just how to cook up for the lover and for the mother and for the children just as well, you see. And so it's about it's learning the a gender thing. It's these roles that we get to play for each other. Society has got, has had this, like, or we've had to learn through the separation of the, of the genders, which has been a funny agenda. But really what we're coming into now is this quantum because we're, as you say, it's like making love or like when you come together in sex or even when you make love to yourself by coming together in the union of your own meditation. But this is really, we're coming into this quantum phase of our experience of humanity now where we don't lose our gender roles and we all start like, you know, being cross-dressers. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, I have enjoyed it. I have enjoyed it. So the, the time I've dabbled here and there, but I'm certainly a man and I like being the man and I like um, being the assertive man. I like to think that I can stand there and protect a woman by, by being that energy, uh, as well as being responsible by knowing that I can go get angry as well. I mean, women are hot, right? I don't need me getting angry right in their face. Maybe I can go get angry somewhere else. Uh, yeah. And then- or get angry. I mean, you know, it's always comes, if anything that comes from a place of space of love, I mean, if you're pissed off, you need to punch something. Yeah, don't obviously punch your woman, right? <laughs> right? Go, go for a run or something, get it, burn it off of you. But like, Anger is a great catalyst. It's the thing that lots of times gets our ass. It's like a fire under us. It will get us to take action, you know. And as they say, like on that chart of emotion, anger is always actually one of the higher before you step into sort of the positive emotion, so to speak. Anger to me just feels like, oh, like, oh, whenever I'm mad, I just, that's the sound I make. Like I'll be like mad, you know, frustrated. And 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 it just, it, it's an impetus. It gets you to do something like shoot your bow and let's yeah. like right again it's a bit like that friction right yeah and so uh, what i often decide like for a fish like you're either gonna have sex or you're gonna be like a fisherman so a fisherman will sit on if they if they took this square chair that i'm sitting on to go fishing um mm -hmm. it wouldn't last in the mud because the square would end up giving out and mm -hmm. What I would learn from the frustration is that next time I'll take a triangle chair because it's gonna last. There you go. <laughs> yeah, right. You learn something from it. Yeah, frustrations are fat. It's frustration, anger. Those to me are kind of the same emotion. Yeah, I think you're powerful. But those of us who have watery Marses, yours is in the sixth house, right? Mine's in the eleventh. So there is an element 
I get, I like to catalyze other people. I like to take the things I've learned. So I've got Jupiter there as well in the 11th. Yeah, I think it's cool um, that we, we both got um, Mars, Jupiter in the water in the same sign, fairly close to each other, right? Which is, I think it's really awesome. Yeah, you're like four degrees apart. Mine are more like my like 10 degrees apart-ish. Still a conjunction. Yeah, I mean, in my mind, the way also that I look at orbs, orbs to me, um, in a birth chart, I, I, if it's the same sign, it's, it's conjunct. That's the old traditional way as well. That and so basically, if, it, if at the root in the tradition, like um, in the Mesopotamian tradition, if it's in the same house, it's a conjunction. So if it's good enough for them, then it's good enough for me. Um, enough for me, yes, <laughs> totally. Well, and I just found that with transits now with forecasting, that's different. So forecasting, when you're trying to be precise with your forecasting, orbs are extremely important. Um, and just to go back really quickly to the about fighting, wrestling. You're talking about wrestling. Oh yeah. Um, so this is random side note. But we just had a, a fight here, uh, but it was one of those MMA fights. And I love looking at sports because I know nothing about sports. I have zero interest in sports, okay? Don't ever watch games or anything. So I love looking at astrology and guessing who's going to win. And I'll just, I spent probably 15 minutes looking and I was like, okay, the Virgo is going to kick this guy's ass, you know, both good fighters, like they're equally matched or whatever. You know, there's lots of things in their chart, but on that day, I did chart of the day for each person, the personal charts. And then I was like, oh yeah, this guy's winning. And, and sure enough, I checked it the next day and he won, you know? And it's like, and it went down exactly the way you could see it going down. So maybe I should become, I do have Jupiter square sun in opposition. Maybe I should be a gambler. I mean, yeah, well, they, I, the watched, <laughs> I watched a really interesting video, actually. This is an off subject. <laughs> uh, I watched a really interesting video about gambling the other day. Uh, yeah. uh, it, was, it was actually Nadia Shah, um, who's obviously a great uh, astrology leader. Yeah, she's great. Uh-huh. Uh, and so she was interviewing um, the ambassador for um, the National Lottery in Mexico. And she was talking about the part of fortune. Uh, and um, basically, they, um, they encourage it and they pass, make it part of the society and all of these kinds of things. But they were saying, she was teaching about the part of fortune in general. And um, they were saying, you've got to make it a play. You've got to make it a, a joy. Like, um, like when you roll the dice, that you feel. So I obviously now knowing the transits to my part of fortune, part of fortune, they might be like, they were, I might buy a scratch card. Scratch card's not really fun. You've got to have a bet on the ga on a sport because that way yeah. you're really getting your 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 emphasis into it. And you're like, well, I can see that this and that's going on because of these transits, and I feel a bit of a hunch, and this hunch is making me extra excited and enthusiastic yeah. to do the ritual of changing, like in Earth changing in nature, going to make the bouquet. Well, now I've made the filled out the slip. I can see the sport. It's a bit of a thing. I don't even like boxing. I'm going to watch it uh, and because of it, or even if I miss it, because I don't really care that much, it will still be a joy when I find out. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. I think actually for your viewers, if those who really love playing with astrology, it's a great exercise to look, especially at one-on-one, -on -one, you know, mono a mono, or however they say it, those sports in particular, or if you're watching like a, a football game, I mean, American football, where you have the quarterbacks, look at their charts, like the Super Bowl that we just had. Um, I was like, yeah, the Patriots for sure are going to win. And it wasn't because I know anything about sports. I, I learned thereafter the Patriots were supposedly a better team and they were like, you know, in the odds to win. But it was so, the, just the quarterbacks, just their two charts. I was like, this one's winning and this one's not. This guy, you could just tell there was an immaturity to the one athlete and the other one was like, going to win and and so practicing and looking at sports because you're detached from it then when you're looking at relationship charts it helps you see between two people how they're gonna 
what they're going to build together. And by the way, I have a special different type of relationship chart that I've, I've come up with. It's not the Davison. It's actually an this, additive chart. Was this the new one which you made a video, uh, you made a series quite recently uh, about? Because I haven't actually finished watching that yet because, um, you know, because time and things. Uh, but I was started to watch it and I thought, I've got to get back to watching that before we talk. But I didn't quite see it. So, so yes, so you're talking about... So, we didn't explain uh, also the technique of the first one. We just started talking about how exciting it was the, to come up with new techniques. So we must explain um, the Davidson uh, to, to, to the date ones briefly as well. Oh yeah, so, so that's just very simple. You just take on, you can go on astral.com. By the way, I have invested in like the fancy pants software, okay? And I own it. Don't even use it. I don't the, use it. I love, astro, I love that. Huh? The astro, what the Dynast, um actual got their own software and you invested. No, no, I've invested in, what's the name of it? Um, Astro Gold. Yes, that one, yes. Astro. Yeah, I've got that in as well. It's got loads of glitches, isn't it? It does, and on my, because, I, because I'm a Mac user, and so I have problems with it on my computer, even though I have the, the software or the parallels. It, but I just love Astro, I love Astro. It works, it has everything, all the bells and whistles that I need that I use. I like to keep it simple. So you simply go on astro.com, you can pull up the chart of the day, save it, and then do a Davidson with yourself and the chart of the day. Look at your wedding day. Look at like, you know, the day that you got pulled over by the cop and got a ticket, you know, or whatever. Go back and look in your own life and decide for yourself if you think it's valuable and start noticing patterns. Because I feel like the patterns in your own individual chart, the things that are gonna trigger you are different than the things that will trigger me. So um, the takeaway with the personal chart of the day is comparing, looking at that, and then once you become well-versed in the language of astrology, you can sort of, and this is the awesome thing about technology, because we can drop charts so fast, pull up all these different types, look at your your secondary progressions, you know, compare it to your chart of the day and, you know, notice degrees and angles and start really noticing for you those days at particular degrees and certain modalities you have issues with. I also like to take the birth chart, the, just the tropical birth chart, take the draconic birth chart, and you have to do this by hand. Take the, the, your sun, okay? Look at your draconic sun and create a midpoint chart between the tropical and draconic. Whoa, dude. That chart, I like to call that your deep chart. That is fascinating. So that's one technique. The other technique is a relationship chart technique where you take, let's say you've got a three degree Capricorn sun, okay? The zero to 360 degrees of the zodiac, that means you're 273 degrees. So that's your sun. I'm a Libra, four degree Libra. So I'm 184 degree. We add those together, right? And it gives us, if you go past 360 degrees and you just start over again with Aries, Taurus, Gemini, and it will, sh I'm telling you, this is like bonkers. I've gone back through and done this with my children, with people I've dated, people I've been in love with. And it's showing me things. I was like, wow, you know, I wish I would have known this technique a long time ago. It's very, very powerful. And I just, it makes more sense to me than Davison. So, so let me just clarify. Um, so if, for instance, uh, like with our suns added together, that comes to, to 400 degrees, that would be the beginning of uh, Cancer, right? Or beginning of Gemini. It's going to get you into, yeah, wait. The, well, the, yeah, the, the first beacon of Gemini, it would be, make it okay. if we come to 400 degrees in total. So it'd be, well, well, it's actually, it, so yeah, yeah, yeah. 400 degrees. 450 Plus second degree of Taurus, second degree of Taurus. So yeah, 457 minus 360, and that gives you a degree. It's powerful thinking of, the, because this is like thinking in spirals rather than thinking in more of a linear. See, the thing with Davison's that I don't like is if I've got one person born 
well, me, for example, I'm born 77, you're born 86. As far as we know, you know, you in this incarnation weren't alive yet. So why the hell would I use a midpoint? I mean, I, you can still use the David science. I still think it's powerful, but you weren't alive yet, right? Rather than going, okay, I lived this long and then you were born, okay? And, and that to me is more like the two people coming together. Does that make sense? Yeah, so basically it's like it's the midpoint, not the midpoint, it's actually the date in between. No. No, 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 explain that again, because I was drawing this, because you said about spirals. Uh, and, yeah, um, I adding, do. it's an additive chart. Instead of, rather than looking at, because when you're doing a midpoint chart, there's a subtractive quality, that the younger person has to go back in time. The older person goes forward in time to meet in the middle, right? Uh -huh. This chart, on the other hand, comes together. It's you coming together. Okay, you've got the birth of this person, and then this person comes along, all right? And then you're adding their two sort of experiences together and then moving forward through time, if that makes sense. I, I just, lately, the more I play with relationship charts, I'm like, I just, I've worked with thousands of people. I'm like, there's something missing. This is not, it's, yes, it's good, but there's other layers that we need for the full picture. And, and it's a lot of information for people who are beginners. This is like an advanced technique. You need to really understand the 12 archetypes and, and, and the- Electrifying. Oh, like, I'm telling you, you're, play with it. it, it you got to do it all by hand, which is kind of a pain in the ass. But like with the nodes, whoa. I mean, the, that, that... Being like every, everybody basically moves their node to the zero degrees of Aries. Uh, yeah. And so then you make a midpoint chart between that and your own chart. Um, that's, that's one technique. That's like the, I think of that as a deep chart technique. I call that the deep chart. So you can do that with your personal birth chart. You can do that with relationship charts too, actually, right? But you can take, you can figure out both people's deep chart and then sort of do a little midpoint chart. But I'm still saying, I still think the additive chart for relationship readings is really powerful. I think that that deep chart technique is really good for individual charts. So let me just clarify again for one last time. So a penny drops for me and maybe the audience too, because I'm learning with, with them, that if you're gonna do an additive chart, is where you add up all of the planets together. So, we, for instance, my Venus uh, uh, at uh, 19 degrees of Scorpio added up to your Venus, which is in Virgo. Um, I haven't actually, I've actually pulled up another chart now. So your one's at Virgo five degrees. And so we count out what number degree of the zodiac that is and add them both together. Exactly. That's exactly. brilliant. Yep. And, so and if it goes past 360, if it goes past 360 degrees, minus that 360, and whatever degree you're left with, that is your shared additive. That's point. the bit I need you to say again. So, uh, so it goes, does it go back past Pisces into Aries again? Yes, yes, okay. exactly. Cause like a spiral, right? Cool, so, so that, what I love about that is, is that um, this is a really misshaped, misdrawn version of the bass clef in music, the bass line. Uh, oh, yeah. And so basically, and also in yoga, um, it means something as well, like karekalishan. That's Reiki too, isn't it? Reiki, yes. Uh, so basically, to really do this perfectly, I think you need seven concentric rings. Uh, and basically, um, it's the Which golden ring. makes perfect sense because that brings you to the seventh house. Mm -hmm. Like I think of Aries actually as almost having this quality of being like ascendant Aries is like, if you've studied, for example, um, Fibonacci sequence. Okay? Yes, that's what, yes. It's the golden ratio. And, and yes. so basically, Basically, um, in esoteric astrology, there is only, they, they say that you can do, do it with, there is only seven houses, in a sense, uh, of so somebody said. And so um, basically the ruling planet of, of Libra would be Saturn, because what which you give your attention to when you're doing rituals and purpose is that which solidifies in your experience. 
Oh, I love this. Yes, we're actually on fire right now. And so, you today, you've filled my quota for the whole week. I've learned new things today, so I can't. I won't even be angry the rest of the week if I learn nothing from <laughs> today from like all of our talks. For real. Uh, um, well, yeah, this, we need this, yes, more. thank you. That's a brilliant compliment. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, it sets me on fire. Uh, but this is um, so this base clef or this uh, what did you call it? Uh, the, like the Reiki. Reiki. And they use it in yoga. Uh -huh. So I'm like, a, I play drums. I uh, learning a bit of guitar. I haven't learned the bass guitar yet, but I've worked with people who did music at college. And so they'd use a bass clef. Um, right. But anyway, um, I've been working with a, uh, a technique through the secondary progression chart, which is this kind of story that goes like this Fibonacci, which is, or the golden ratio, which is the fib of no chi. Because when we're not taking our breath, when um, we actually take, we're not in the moment, we're not in the quantum, we're not actually loving, we're like, <gasps> I'm in fear, and we take away. Yeah, you're elsewhere, you're not here. Like, yeah, you're in the atmosphere, we're actually caught up by uh, the, all of the stuff. Like, this, ooh, the, the conversation is exciting. And all of like the, when the cat, also the other day when the cat was missing, I had serious anxiety because it's not my cat and I love animals. So like on multiple levels, I was feeling responsible and feeling like the cat just got eaten by a hawk. You know, I'm like worst case narrowing it, right? I got down on the ground in child's pose because that always helps with anxiety. And I just was praying. What's child's pose? Like um, in a ball? Yeah, it's like where you put your, you, yeah, you like go like that, but you like lay on the ground with your shins on the ground, you know, okay. which is a wonderful, it's actually proven, uh, it's like getting a hug. It, it releases the same oxytocin, so it relaxed me. And then I was like, okay. And I got into myself and I got, I prayed. You know, I was like calling upon Saint Gertrude. She's like the saint of cats, Jesus. I was like, whoever can help me, you know, please. Um, but then I, I was just there and I was like, okay. And I just knew everything was fine. The cat was fine. And, and so I think, I don't know, we, I it was forgetting in that moment just to trust that like, everything would be as it was supposed to be. And if the cat got eaten by a hawk, that was what was supposed to happen. So it was this really cool moment of like, the cat's a free spirit. The cat ran outside, it wanted to go outside. But that's cat's destiny, not my destiny. You know what I mean? Uh, there's that kind of element to it. Oh, anyway, should we do a chart? <laughs> yes, yes. I want to finish, finish this bit about this. And then I've got the other oh, thing yeah. to tell you, and then you can do the chart. Uh, okay. But then, uh, like, this is the last bit about this. Um, this thing, so sequence healing is what it's called, or fractal healing. So obviously you can tell poetry and get all caught in the, in the lovely wordplay of the, the fib, fib of no chi. Um, but really what it is is actually like a shell. Um, this is like a shell, right? And so that's the Fibonacci spiral, which Venus plays out in the sky, which is the rose, we've got back to the rose. And so uh, the petals are, are always opening out. And so if we think about if we are this flower that's always opening up, when we were we seeded? We were seeded in the womb of our mothers and we were conceived. And you're seated, you're seated in your grandmother's womb. Did you know that? Because your mother was an egg from your grandmother's womb. Like your roots, your fourth house. Sorry not to interrupt you, but. No, you know. no, 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 go. But like, so anyway, just saying that it's not just you. Like you're no, that's brilliant. Like, I want to know, can you elaborate just a little bit on that? Uh, because yeah, I, I, I gather I, that and I've heard, I've heard, oh, we miss, we skip a generation, don't we? Like um, a lot of our yeah, traits. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so you're I mean, a, a, an infant. When a fetus is in the mother's womb, she, she develops the eggs, the female infant. And those eggs are the only eggs she'll have her entire life. And so, for example, my children, 
were born from the eggs that were in me as a baby when I was inside of my mother's womb, you know? So the influence that my body and my spirit was under while I was in my mother's womb is carried forth, you know, to my children. Um, and of course, there's that's very kind of an esoteric way, I guess, of looking at it, you know, the biology of it, but I think it's beautiful. And the mother, the ex, especially the female, this idea that genes run through the, you know, the X chromosome for, you know, for females, um, women who have, I think, intuitive or magical gift that was like, uh, or psychic gift, many times it's in, you see it in the female line. It just, you see it go back, 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 right? Whereas the Y chromosome, what an interesting, initially we were, I think the, the Y chromosome was like a, it was like an, it was like a mutation, you know? Um, this idea that we'd have male and female and need each other in order to continue. Yeah, I've heard that as well. Like, um, <laughs> like um, uh, Atlantis and, uh, and Lemuria were like these two different worlds or the, the inner and the outer uh, brought together, that the masculine and the feminine brought together, Mars and Venus brought together. And it's this Y chromosome that we've been working with, like mad science projects um, that actually brings it together. Like Yoda is always this ponderance of, mm, why is this I am? And uh, <laughs> I am that I am. <laughs> I'm a mad lunatic. Uh, and so you know I, I think I, I just always joke I'm like the Y chromosome was introduced to you know um, sentient beings it's like alien DNA you know whether it was way back way back when when we mammals or whatever I don't I don't know all the biology of when we needed male and female but there's this element of it being like foreign you know in a way but that it introduces this new material I, I don't know I just think nature is incredible and she's always changing trust her Trust, and you are nature, so trust yourself. Trust those those senses you have. Yeah, this goes back to something else um, that as I was working, I've been working with, with regards to um, the uh, tantric uh, Kundalini experience, uh, and that is that when we actually find a partner who we can like adore, like we should adore ourselves, <coughs> then um, what we can do with them is practice raising that Kundalini through conscious lovemaking. And so you don't get caught by the breath of no chi because you're able to breathe while you make love to each other without coming out necessarily into each other. You can actually come into yourselves while you're making love with someone else. And so but if you could do that with a loving partner, it doesn't mean you can't have children and cultivate as well, but like, if you could do that with a loving partner for 12 years, um, this is a shout out to Santos Padarchi, uh, who, who um, I was listening to talk about this just in a video yesterday. Um, 12 years, then the 12 disciples of the nervous nerve endings inside of your brain will then rise the 13th disciple inside of our brain, uh, which <gasps> gives us the halo and makes us our own hero of our own story. And that's, that's the true twin flame story of doing that in union with someone um, who you adore. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. And the twin flame thing as a whole, we should do a different show on that. I, I've come very full circle in my understanding of twin flames. I have a lot of people who ask, uh, you know, is this person my twin flame, etc. My answer, by the way, always is, um, it's up to you. Like, do you believe this person is your twin flame? I, I don't have the ability with astrology yet. I haven't figured out a technique where I can go, yes, <laughs> flame, come to me and I will tell you, you know, what, like that, that's, that's for you. That's, we, we, people who reach out to astrologers, it's like, you're just looking at a map. You're coming to, you don't know how to read the map. It's written in Chinese, right? So I'm going to help you read this freaking Chinese map. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to drive the car. Like you got to get yourself wherever you got to get to. And you need to decide if you need to pull over to pee because you got to go to the bathroom or the gas station or, you know what I mean? Like 
Um, astrology is a tool simply it's here to help you on the beginning of your journey and, and you use it as you go but it's it's um it's ever evolving with your own understanding of yourself and your creation yes i like that creation as well it's not it's a curation rather than just creation and if we're working with some other recreation then we're just recreating the old story and so again yeah um, it's like games and sports recreation right that's like doing something that you, there's rules there's a way to do it and, and that's like life too a lot of times we think oh there's a certain way i'm supposed to be recreating this or doing this but no you're actually a creator yeah you've got to come up with a new technique that works for you to be able to get that ball to the end of the field or to be able to uh, sat, uh to strike inspiration in the eye of the admirer which you call your own reflection that kind of thing yep just like I was telling you when I was looking at my friends that night, you know, when I was on the sky or on the, we were looking at the stars and I came inside and I was hanging out with my friends, I could see the creator in each person's, especially in their eyes, right? I'm like, you are my, can't, I'm like, can't, my biggest takeaway that night was I just wanted everybody to see themselves the way I could see them, which was just pure light. And it was like, well, the love <laughs> like in you. Huh? The love in you explaining it um, is, is the reflection of their, of them and so if they can which i'm sure they were like uh, so in admiration and joy for who you are so they were witnessing that creator inside of them just by the, the enthusiasm which you were holding for them so you yeah, and the same thing with the kundalini anything that has to do with interaction between two people it's i recognize the god in you and vice versa and i want to commune with that god and i want you to commune with my god you know like we're all doing this together and i think um yeah, I have lots of thoughts on that, so I don't, I don't want to go off topic. I'm wondering if we're, I'm not even going to have time to do this right now. Should we just do like charts tomorrow where we yeah. just do charts? Yeah, that sounds, that sounds good. That sounds good. Tell your, tell your listeners, hey, we both have Uranus in the third house and together we have Uranus in the third house. So it's like a wild ride. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah, it's just like we just keep coming up with other things. And so which is okay because it's absolutely a joy and unexpected inspiration. So it's all good. Um, so yeah, we'll do that tomorrow, uh, and we'll talk about King Arthur tomorrow uh, at his round table of the Zodiac, where Julius Caesar's written himself into it, and all of that stuff. And uh, maybe yeah. even talk about a bit more of the under the sea, uh, yeah. from the subconscious realm as well. Mm -hmm. um, but it's all the in the jigs and what's it? Let's do it. Yeah, well, I need. To, uh, it's getting almost eleven o'clock p.m. here, yeah. and I need to make my dinner. Yeah. It takes a few hours. I know that you need to get off and just revitalize yourself in some other way. Not that this wasn't um, vitally inspiring and exciting in itself. Awesome, fun. Yeah. So the end of this story about the shell is that actually, um, you say it came originally from the grand, uh, the, the, the grandmother, or whatever have you, which is brilliant, and I love that, and that's very interesting and curious to me. Um, however, as well within the the womb within the room of our mothers is like um, all of the, we was there, we were present. And so what we experienced were through the echoes of listening to that through our own subconscious was that which we have flower out through the first seven days of our lives, through the first seven months, through the first seven years. And then it replays like on a record baby round and round. Uh, yeah. uh, so many times until we've been through it four times. It's also like a spiral ever moving outward. So you're always, you're, you're like coming back, but you're in a different place. A bit like know? our like, universe, right? Like the, the bang blossoms out and comes out like seasons. And so when Saturn returns for the first time for 28 years, um, that's when we're really decompressing after really witnessing the cycle happen so many times that we've gathered ourselves now. Uh, and so we're just collecting ourselves 
by in that depression a bit like when you're making bread you give yourself what you need so it gets substance mm. and it builds itself up in the uh, yep. yeast quality <laughs> and, and it, um, it rises yeah yep. uh-huh and so um basically then uh, once you get the next uh, for the next 28 years you're actually recreating the the subconscious you're kind of untangling what we weren't clear on the first times so that we actually know the knots and what we did not know we are getting clear on so we're actually we're we're doing away with the the dramas and even though there's still going to be drama but we're reworking them we're rewriting them we're taking the authority over them yeah individuation like Jung taught I mean the whole like you said before you have your first Saturn return this is why people that are um well I'm gonna get into that but your first Saturn return that phase of life is childhood in my mind that's childhood you, you know your 20s even and and it, then you move into your 30s and then now you're an adult that, that's yeah. how I see it I agree and, yeah it's but I think just like it just like you have your solar return every year but our solar system is moving so technically you're never in the same spot None of us are. So don't stay in the same spot. You know, don't, this is why don't stay um, stuck in old stories when you're in a brand new one every day. That's so true. Like, I, like as we say, to take a different route, take a different, um, uh, like align yourself up with, even if you've got to do certain responsibilities or you feel that you have to, to get yourself to the next stage, you can mix the cups up and go in a different order. Um, and so that then you actually are working with your creativity. It's a bit like yeah. um, when you're creating wow. a painting. This is a quote off a comedy, which I'm going to steal. And they're like, um, blue, 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 burgundy, burgundy, blue, <laughs> burgundy, burgundy, blue. Do you recognize what I'm doing there? Actually, yeah. actually Michael Jackson. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That's uh, perfect. Like, yeah. That's the whole, like the whole point of another thing too, to add to this is the balance, keeping the balance between it's also okay to have days where things are very much routine and the same. And there's this, it's not a fast, all of a sudden I understand everything, right? Like it is this, let things unfold the way they're supposed to and just trust that you'll, you'll get there. Mm-hmm. And you are going to come back and revisit the same things. That's normal. And that's part of growth. Yeah, just like the fish in the fishbowl and like Jet Li, like, you know, you've got to just take it on the easy and do the wax on, wax off. And you've got to take yourself out of the fishbowl and see that the big wider world is there. But yet it's going to have the similar stuff, which was in the fishbowl, just a wider expanse of our own evolution. Yeah, it's like you get put in a bigger tank every, you know what I mean? Like so every you, Saturn return, you're what happened, what happened when we were seven, we'll come back around when we're like 14 and we'll come back around when we're 21. And it will come back. And so basically we could say, oh shit, that means that that time where I got that inheritance is coming back around. Oh, that time when I had that breakup is coming back around. That depression. And so it's not a bad thing. It's just knowing the groove and we know how to dance to that song because we've actually been to that disco before. Beautiful. And sometimes the music that's playing, you ain't really jiving with. You're like, this is not my jam, but it's what's playing. You know what I mean? Do the dad dance. All right, I'm gonna learn how to dance with this polka or something or whatever it is. You know, like all right, but but you know, I mean, and and I think that um, having a balance between what I'm trying to say is like having a balance between understanding there's routine. There there does need to be order and structure in your life, but also allowing space for yourself every day to experience awe and wonder through something new. Yes, just like this conversation. Yeah. This is perfect. I, and again, I'm like so stoked that I don't need to learn anything new for like a week. So <laughs> it's great. Well, that, I, I've got a little gem 
pardon the pun, to finish off uh, with today's session then. And that is actually that we've spoke about John Dee, the astrologer, using that gem to go, to go to, to gaze through, a bit like you can look at the ocean or you can look at nature or you can people watch and see yourself through different stories, different yeah. media creations. Uh, and so basically, um, this stone, I can't remember the name of this stone. I don't know if it was the Rosella stone, Rosetta stone or something like that. Oh, maybe. Oh, yeah, so it was like a, just a transparent, sort of like a gazing ball or like a Urim and Thummim like they have in the Bible. Something like this, yes. Uh, but the actual story goes that this actual stone w was because uh, it's very—he's a very famous astrologer, John Dee, uh, and um, oh, I had the, the, her name on the tip of my tongue. But she is the author of Harry Potter. Oh, oh, uh, J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling actually owns the stone that John Dee owned. Now, get out. <laughs> I mean, if anybody could own the stone, I'm so glad it's her. Yeah. That's, that is, that's brilliant, as you guys would say over there on the other side <laughs> of the clock. I love that. Well, you know what? It takes brilliance to know brilliance. And I've really enjoyed this conversation with you today, Nicole. It's been an absolute um, joy to really look forward to having this connection. And it's just been just as fun to, to be a present uh, and experience it. So. I'm really excited to, to have shared this collaboratory space and it be the beginning of uh, something very beautiful moving forward. And I'm excited to reconvene tomorrow, no doubt. I'm so excited. I'm gonna like look at your chart tonight and like play around. I'll play around a little bit too with your draconic chart. It'll be fun. Oh, I feel like I'm already gonna be learning a lot about it. So thank you so much. And I'm excited to share about um, your progress charts uh, and um, moving forward, uh, all of the great things and your talk about your aspirations and also to be some more direct questions about your um, experience with astrology when you first came into Inspirational with it. Um, all the traditional questions that I didn't get to today, we'll make sure we do tomorrow. But this has been really great and I've really enjoyed your space. And for people who've watched, thank you so much for, for being present. Um, you can reach Nicole's channel, which is Modern Cosmic, on the links below. Um, mm -hmm. Have you got anything else to say to the people? No, just come to YouTube and YouTube, I haven't posted, I've got 300 or so videos that are up there, educational videos on YouTube. There's lots of content to watch. Um, but if you've already, you know, seen my channel, there will be new stuff coming. I'm going, the last thing I want to say is I am um, actually uh, going to be road tripping in a van, like doing the van life thing. Um, one of those sort of RV vans. And I'm traveling city to city to do live workshops, meet and greets, um, and to do readings in person. So I'll be in the Southwest for this October, November, December, and then I'll be heading out back East this next year. So I'm super excited to, to meet people in person and continue the conversation, right? What a fantastic opportunity for people, hey? And sounds like a really uh, exploration of your own uh, curiosity and excitement as well. So that's really fun. I can't wait. It's totally selfish. I'm doing it mainly because I just want to go travel around and meet people. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're putting yourself first, which is really uh, what counts. And so you're leading and encouraging others to do that as well, which is great. Yes, for sure. For sure. Thank you so much for this. It's a joy. Thank you for your moments and for your energy. It's been really brilliant. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I'll speak to you again. Stay on the line. I'll just finish the video here. Thank you for watching. Mwah. <laughs>well that was a joy just to look back at connecting with a person that i've learned so much from over the years and to have such fun to share conversation to explore our curiosities in such an organic 
flowing and fun manner was an absolute joy. So thank you, Nicole, for being my guest today. And I do look forward to catching up again because that was just the first of many collaborations, no doubt. I feel that there are just the beginning potentials of many of us astrologers collaborating together, working within this community. You may be listening to this as a a budding student or teacher of astrology yourself. Someone who sees it as a hobby, who can actually use it as a tool within your craft. It can be applied to so many different fields, whether you're a chef, a gardener, you may be somebody who's taking care of health. Astrology is such a great tool. It can be used as a practitioner for holistic therapies, teaching children, many many different ways to connect to the stars and even our bodies as well as each other and so if you're inspired to learn I do offer astrology mentorship if it's a natal chart reading you've never tapped into your own natal chart you're kind of new to astrology then I'm here for you also you can contact me via an email unity around the corner at hotmail.com And I will get back to you and we can go from there, whether it's a reading or whether you would like some support. Maybe it's actually that you would like to collaborate with me. Either way, you can reach out at that email. Again, unityaroundthecorner at hotmail.com. You can follow me on Instagram at philipdanielmiles. Likewise, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel if you have not already. Philip Daniel Miles on YouTube, where I have dozens of interviews with fantastic astrologers, as well as continue to create daily videos talking about the current energies with tarot, astrology, storytelling, and all sorts of good fun and exciting productions. Thank you for being present today, intending that you are able to make the most of these last days of the Aquarius season with the moon transiting for firstly Virgo, where it is currently, and then later in the week, Libra and Scorpio. I'll be back next week to reflect upon the new moon in Pisces, as well as with another interview from another great astrologer. Thank you for being you, and I'll speak to you again real soon. Take care and reflect love inwardly and outwardly. You are the source of your own creation. You are worth being patient for because the love that you are is best felt in the presence of your own grace.